Auburn signs absolutely nobody on National Sign Day. And guess what? It's no big deal. It doesn't matter. On today's episode of the Auburn Daily Show, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. What in the world happened to National Signing Day, and how did it just get completely trumped by early signing day? And really the transfer portal as well. Pat Barnes joins us as always. Auburn Daily Show favorite guest, Auburn's man of mystery. He's back with us as always to drop some pretty insightful recruiting intel. It's kind of like a big picture what happened to signing day as well as uh, what was Auburn's strategy this whole thing and why did they not grab just some maybe last minute high schooler diamonds in the rough. Talk about all that on today's episode. Before we get started, though, want to thank today's show sponsor, Lane's Coffee. You see the link right here. Use promo code Auburn, the best coffee. It is fresh. It ships right to your home, office, wherever. You get to get that fresh ground coffee. No more than 24 hours freshly ground. Not like what you're going to get at the store. It's been there forever. They get all sorts of flavors. You get all sorts of different types of roast or the medium, dark. Maybe you want some flavor, some caramel. In my case, that's Cinnabon. It is the bomb. Of course, you can always get tea. Coffee's not your thing. Check out plainscoffee.com. Use that promo code Auburn for 10% off on order. And of course, there is always free shipping. I want to thank them as always for supporting the show. So, Pat, let's get right into it. Yesterday was National Signing Day. I think everybody, myself included, forgot. Did you remember? Like, did you, did we bat an eye at National Signing Day? No, it, it didn't even occur to me until I think last night when I saw somebody tweeting about Ryan Williams officially signing with Alabama that it was actually late National Signing Day. And this is a good thing that I forgot as opposed to two years ago when it was, uh, I was well aware it was National Signing Day, and we still didn't sign anybody, but that's because we just struck out on like five players. So I'd rather just go ahead and sign everybody in December and not have to worry about January than the other way around. Yeah, so brief history lesson. We're going to spend a lot of time on this, but that was the, we'll call it what it was, the meltdown with Auburn, the National Signing Day dilemma that was really probably one of the final nails in Brian Harson's coffin at his time here at Auburn, where Auburn had a few guys left on the board. They didn't end up getting them, and like I said, a, a lot of ensuing drama happened after the fact. Now, why this is not a big deal comparatively to them is because now you actually have a 21 signee class that is ranked eighth in the nation? Correct. On, on three, it is ranked eighth overall. So a little bit better situation than where they were then. So it's funny because it's like early signing day and this is national signing day where really it should just be called signing day and late signing day. The semantics of this, I think is just all sorts of out of whack and just a little bit brief background folks for folks out there listening. Our guy, Pat Barnes here, this was like a, this was his Christmas. You took off work for national signing day back in the day. Like this well, was I not was a. I wasn't, I wasn't working yet, but I was in grad school, and I, w I did skip entire days of class for grad school to, to see what was going on signing day. So, yes, I did take off of something important. Yeah, and I, I'm sure there's some listeners out there that were dedicated to the recruiting grind that, like, you had to be off work. You had to be following the boards. You had to be on social media. Once upon a time, pre-Gus end of his tenure, this was something to be excited about. Now, this was before – early signing day really took over. So that's kind of what it was. And it seems to be that they had their strategy taken care of. You didn't really hear a lot of chatter from anybody on national signing day. Nothing that I saw at least. 
most of all your highly ranked players that already had destinations. Some guys jumped around. I believe uh, Fat Burdett, who had originally been committed to Auburn, jumped to Missouri, ended up signing with Houston. From what I yeah, heard. I, don't even, I don't even know if he ever committed to Missouri. I think I think he was flirting with Missouri. I don't I don't think they ended up taking him either. So uh, okay, he's, he's Houston bound. Okay, I could have sworn I saw a graphic, but you know they they throwing graphics out for everybody. Just <laughs> hey man, I might be committing to these twelve schools have graphics ready, so you just never know. I I'm gonna just you know, put it out there. I think graphics culture is getting out of hand, and I'm just gonna Agreed. say we need the we need to just throw this out there. Ryan Williams might have sa- saved Hayes Fawcett's life because the Gumps were after him when he was just like decommitting, decommitting, going here, going there. I mean, they were. It, I think he was need, about need to be in witness protection, and he got on their good graces with that one. But man, they were coming after him. So point being, graphics culture it's gotten a little too far out of hand. But, alas, that was pretty much it. There was not a lot of action on National Signing Day. Just about why that may be. I think it's a transfer portal. I mean, I, well, let me phrase that. After an early signing day, I think it's a lot to do with the transfer portal. And I think what's happening here is rather than, hey, you know, we're going to get a low three-star, we're going to get a diamond in the rough, we're going to get a guy from a small high school that might have a little bit more of the talent and athleticism develop at this level, it says, eh. Let's get a little bit more of a proven commodity and snag a guy who gets in the portal who's at least proven what they can do at the college level. Agree or disagree? I, I agree uh, in part with that. I do think that is playing a role, and it makes sense um, when you get to these transfer portal players versus a three-star. You probably have a better chance of hitting on the portal player that's already proven some production on the college level. So that would make sense to me. I honestly think it's just more the fact that these schools are trying to get all their players in in December as, as early as they possibly can. I think that's probably the biggest factor here. Because I mean, the earlier you get them signed, the less time they have to change their mind, go somewhere else. You don't know what happens with assistant coaches. They come, they're coming and going, like you saw with Jeremy Garrett. Makes you wonder what would have happened to our defensive line class had Jeremy Garrett left in early December as opposed to early February. Um, so I think here, a lot of, more of it just has to do with they, they want these guys in as quickly as possible. And here's another thing here. Do you think – do you think that we're seeing more guys that are enrolling early in January than we used to? Yes, and I, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, – you know, it's just like this, it's the specialization of culture in general. I think you're seeing these kids are in high school knowing they're going to an SEC program. So they're knocking out their classes at a quicker pace to allow them to graduate in December, be enrolled, and, and get a jump start on spring football. Uh, and one thing I, I've definitely noticed more of is the amount of players that are able to reclassify from one class to the next, like you saw with Ryan Williams. I feel like that's happening with maybe a 20th of your average football player you see these days. It's happening way more than I remember. The first time I remember it happening was when we got a – Austin Wilder reclassified for basketball. He, he showed up out of nowhere in December, I remember. Ever since then, it seems like it happens all the time. What's crazy to me is I didn't even know that was an option. Like, rewind back when we were in high school. Like, what what I wouldn't have given to just graduated early, even if it was just five months early and just play video games all day. <laughs> just- yeah, the difference there is these guys these guys have an incredibly bright future at something involving athletics. Uh, we didn't have that available to us. No, no, absolutely not. But just the idea of lying to myself and saying, man, I can get out of high school early 
and I'm going to do something like productive and just life changing and just not doing it at all, but just not having to like wake up early in the morning and go to school. That would have been pretty cool. So yeah, at least they know, have. Man. I feel like these kids are missing out on a, a lot of important life moments by missing that last semester of high school. I mean, I had the time of my life the end of my senior year, the summer of my senior year. I couldn't imagine skipping out on that. Yeah, but let's go back to what you said too there. I mean, the prospect of NIL money. That yeah, I mean, that, that makes the difference. <laughs> yeah, when, you, when you're a high-level athlete, they're not living the same life that we were living. So. Yeah, no, I mean, Carson Beck just bought a Lamborghini, so like – you know, we uh we didn't quite, you know, we we're over here just like trying to save up some money to buy some subs. So a little bit yeah. different life that we're living. So let's transition here a little bit. And before we talk about kind of what is happening in this limbo period of spring practice, I should say before spring practice, what the coaches are doing, the dead period, just the office of offseason as far as football goes, just the furthest we are, the ultimate void from kickoff in September. Want to give a little shout out to a little project that we've got going on here. So, did a GoFundMe page here. So, we are doing a project called Feed the Jungle and Beat Cancer. So, what's going on here? We are raising some money. We did this a few years ago, raising some money for the Auburn students. You probably saw all the stuff for the Alabama game, that massive line, the kids that are out there, like super, super early for the game, just getting hyped up. Well, they're doing the thing in line. What we're trying to do is raise some money. We're going to feed them. We're going to give them some quality life items, some hand warmers, blankets, snacks, energy drinks, water, coffee, whatever they need to get through that trek of getting in the line for the Kentucky gate next Saturday. Now, a few years ago, we did that, raised way more money than possibly intended to feed them. And we said, you know what? Let's just donate this all to Outlive help the fight against cancer. And that's just what we did. So we're trying to run that back again. So anybody out there who's listening to the show, if you're able, check it out on social media. You can find it on the at Auburn Meebs Twitter page. You don't have Twitter. There's a link to the GoFundMe in the Auburn Memes Instagram page. Raising some money there. The goal is 15000 Now, originally put the goal as 5000 I said, you know what? I hit the one and made it happen. I said, so far, we put it out this afternoon. We raised about $500. So it's about 14.5. It's a lofty goal, but I really think we can all hit it. Like I said, we're going to take a small fraction of this money, donate it to buy food, and we're hoping we'll have thousands of dollars left over. And we can just donate that to Outlive. Check out what all they're doing. That is Bruce Pearl's foundation that donates and helps a bunch of organizations that do work to fight the awful fight with cancer. And Cool thing for the students, hyping up basketball. I've already talked to some people with Outlive, and they are totally on board with this. They are, we got some projects in place. We got some business lined up. We've already talked to some folks from the Jungle organization as well, and they're getting the students hyped up. So, long story short, really awesome project trying to work on here, doing it for the students, and of course, doing it for the big picture, and that is to fight cancer. So, guys, if you are able, we'll also put a link to that GoFundMe down here in the show bio. If you're watching on YouTube, we'll get it on the podcast as well. If you have any money to spare, please donate to that. And like I said, it's going to go to a really awesome cause. So, yeah, if anybody can, thank you all for doing that. Let's move on here. The calm before the storm, Pat. We are, do you know the date when spring practice starts? Have they? I don't know if they've announced the official date yet. I think that may, I think they wait kind of last minute to do that. Generally, Auburn starts a little earlier than a lot of schools, it seems. So I would expect we would start spring practice very late February or 
the first week of March. That I think that's usually the kind of timeline we're looking at. So just just the ballpark out there, we're probably at least three, three and a half weeks away from that. Right. So what are the players doing right now, and what are the coaches doing right now in this window between spring practice and just the ultimate void that is just the epitome of the offseason? Well, I know in January the big thing is the winter workouts, which is really where they coaches kind of separate the wheat from the shaft, where they, they see who's really with, willing to put in the effort on the new guys on the team and maybe some players that have been – been uh, backups and haven't gotten their chance to shine yet. They're, they're looking for them to really put in a, some uh, A-plus effort into showing that they're ready for a starting position. So that's the big thing going on with the football team right now. At least it wasn't January. I don't know if they're still doing it. Are those really intense winter workouts you always see videos of from the social media accounts and all that? And I'm assuming, too, that's going to mean the team dietitians are meeting with various guys, getting weights up or down, body fat muscle mass, all the super, super technical things that the dietitians do. And I think that would be a really cool episode content to do would be get a dietitian on because I've spoken with some dietitians at other school, not Auburn, and just the sports science that goes into just every single calorie and every single breakdown of every item in the nutrition chart, vitamins, all that stuff that they have to get these guys right. Their diets are so engineered to just make them just Herculean machines when they go out to play football. And speaking of Herculean machines, I choose that word very wisely. Were you able to see Eugene Asante on television at the Auburn basketball game last night? I saw a clip of him. I, I saw he was John or, or Lat. He was shirt. Him being shirtless. Oh no, they didn't show that on the broadcast. I don't think I missed that. If they did, yeah. So he was uh, just looking like the Hulk, Hercules statue, whatever you want to call it. I mean, just absolutely shredded, had the eight-pack out. Like, definitely made me, like, I'm looking at that, like, and I'm kind of looking down, like, dang, this stinks. Sounds uh, like it left an impression on you. It did. He absolutely did. I mean, if you saw Eugene Ashante shirtless, you'd be like, all right, you go lift some weights now. He was just in the student section. And normally, like, you know, with Dylan Cardwell and Bruce Pearl, guys, like, you know, the shirt comes off, like, late in the game. I mean, I'm talking within the first five minutes, the shirt was off. That yeah, was the kind had, of energy. You had your camera out ready to go. I might have gotten some pictures of it. I bet you did. Not gonna, not gonna say I did or didn't. Just it, it, maybe. Oh yeah, front row of the student section who's over there with Jarquez. Uh, our, you know, the the fifth member of the Freeze Five, uh, Dylan Gentry's next to him. <laughs> so the vaunt, the vaunted fifth member. Yeah, the uh, the true the true fifth member of the Freeze Five. He was there. Uh, he was supporting it. Walker White's there, and talk about guys that have been doing some working out. Walker White is massive. Yeah, when I saw when I first saw pictures of him before he was even an Auburn commit, I, I remember texting a buddy saying, "There's no way this kid is in high school." So I walked next to him, and I stayed about six two. I'm probably I'm about two ten, two fifteen if I'm sucking in real good. Um, two twenty if I had Chick Fil A. So yeah, I'm about six two as well. <laughs> That's right. And uh, Walker White easily because a lot of these guys they lie on the hide on the website. Walker White easily had an inch or two on me. Maybe it was I, I was picking up like he he was walking out, and that's not to mention the fact that his arms, chest. I mean, once again, not going to go as hard with the you know as shredded as Eugene Azante. It produced pretty ripped, built like an SEC quarterback that I would say was a junior. Yeah, if I saw physically, him. physically he's ready to go. Um, yeah. Obviously, quarterback it matters way more for the mental aspect for a quarterback, but 
he, he's not going to have an issue. If he's got the mental part down, he, we don't have to worry about the physical part. Yeah, and that's – like I said, I walked right by him last night at that game. And, yeah, I mean, he is – he is built beyond his age from, like you said, a physicality standpoint. And that's really good because let's go back to the whole point of this deal. We want this to be as open as a quarterback competition as it can be. And I was really bullish prior that eh, maybe maybe he'll end up redshirting. Because most of the time you redshirt when you're a true freshman for the physical reasons. You're waiting for your body to grow. You're still 17, 18 years old. You're building and growing into what it takes to compete at the SEC level. And as you said, like, he, he, I'm not at practice, but he might just be ready to go. So really interesting there. Excited to see them get it hyped up. Like I said, Eugene, Dylan, and Walker, the pillars of Auburn football. And I excited to see them there. Oh, Joe Quest too. All four of them. I'm sure if, 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 Dylan, if Dylan was there, Cam Coleman had to have been there. I did not see Cam. Not saying he That's, wasn't there. I didn't notice him. That'd be the first time I ever saw Dylan Gentry somewhere where he wasn't standing right next to Cam Coleman. I'll double check that. Um, like I said, I'll double check in those pictures. I might or might not have gotten to the two of them to see if Cam was around, but I didn't notice it. Now, they, they kind of float in different sections of the student section. So Dylan might have been floating around just to say hey to his boy Eugene. But he made anyway, it. Uh, he finally made another friend. Yeah, that's right. Now, uh, last question before we transition here. What are the coaches doing right now? Because it's kind of it's a dead period, right? They can't be calling anybody. Yeah, they're so the big thing they're doing right now is is getting what is formulating the game plan and strategy for what they envision Auburn to be in 2024. And mm -hmm. they're getting that ready for spring practice. So they're, they're, they're really building the playbook and the scheme right now. Altogether, okay. they've got a full coaching staff. That's, that's what they're primarily doing right now. So coaches are thinking with their head, they're looking, they're saying, Hey, let's get a game plan for spring, evaluate the roster, that's the move right now. And now, since obviously they don't have to worry with distraction of signing day, wasn't like they're having to do a whole lot of last-minute recruiting. Now, obviously, that will change immensely once the portal opens back up after spring. So well, there will be uh, – I think there's going to be less players we have to worry about trying to get this time around. So we shouldn't have – they shouldn't have to invest as much time and energy in uh, making sure the roster can actually win an SEC game this year. Not a bad problem to have. And you know what? Uh, it looked like Hugh Freeze was down golfing. Uh, so that is what he does. He does. He, uh, Tommy Tuberville liked duck hunting. Is that correct? And golfing. Did he like golfing or duck hunting more? Probably duck hunting, but it's a little bit easier to go golfing. Right. Cause he had to go to Arkansas to do that. Yeah. And the three wine to the OGs have been following recruiting for 20 years. That that's talk about bringing back some bad memories. Tuberville going to duck hunting on signing day. That, that that, that's really what put the nail in his coffin. Kind of like Parson going to Cozumel. Yeah, so if uh, yeah, if there's any old heads out here that followed recruiting for 20-plus years, that's really – yeah, that's probably, probably closer to 15 to 18 for that period. But, uh, yeah, that, that definitely that definitely brought back some uh, tough memories. So, sorry to go there. But, uh, when, uh, luckily – uh, Saban, When Saban's bringing in the greatest recruiting class in history up to that point, and you look – you look at your school and uh, Tuberville's been duck hunting all weekend. It's just, you just knew you knew it was getting close to the end at that point. Yeah, Tuberville's holding up some ducks. Yeah, yeah, it's a rough. That was a. Oof. I want to go. I don't want to go back to that place. But he's gone now. So speaking of, what do you think about him being on game day? You're going to be excited when Saban's here on game day in Auburn. Yeah, I think Saban's going to be Bowl. good on it. I think he's going to be good on game day. I I personally like Nick Saban. Um, I didn't like him 
when he, he first came to Alabama because I was a teenager and I was mad that our, our run of dominance had come come to an end. Um, and he's obviously Alabama's head coach, so there's a certain level of disdain you're always going to have for him. But if he wasn't Alabama's head coach, I, I don't imagine how you couldn't like the guy. He's He's got a funny, dry sense of humor. He's an, an engaging personality, obviously, all the players he's brought in over the years. So I, I think he's going to kill it on game day. I think he's gotten better as he's gotten older. You kind of remember some of his early days in the late Tuberville, early Chiswick. Like, he was kind of – we're going to say this very nicely, but abrasive. He was, but, I, I mean, we, let's be honest. We were taking the brunt of his uh, stardom. We were, we kind of got the uh, – everybody was watching the Ascension, and, and we were the uh, the stepping stool he used to start that Ascension. So we, we have more reason to dislike him than a lot of other people do. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's good. We'll see. Uh, we'll see those. I'm. I can't wait for. I can't wait for the first Iron Bowl he does game day at. Just see what his prediction is, especially if it. Let's just say like it, it legitimately is one where like Auburn is massively favored in the game. I mean, he'll never pick Auburn. It, he's <laughs> never going to pick Auburn in Iron Bowl. I don't. I don't care if there's a complete flip flop and and we we dominate Alabama for the next five years again. It won't matter. Saban's going to pick Alabama. So Alabama's playing for a bowl game. Auburn has already locked in the SEC. He's picking Alabama. Yes, I, I, I don't know what you what you want to bet or what you want me to do if, if Saban ever picks Auburn over Alabama. But we can we can discuss it and we'll we'll promise that I do it. Well, so here's a so okay, so Saban picks Auburn on game day to beat Alabama. That's probably going to make a lot of the Alabama fans need to go to uh, the Opelika or Birmingham Rage Room. Right. Uh, there's a lot more. There's a lot more Bama folks in the Birmingham area. So if that were to happen, probably a good spike uh, in business there. I don't know. Have you ever been to Opelika? Well, I've seen the general population. There's a percentage in Opelika that's probably higher. My brother always called those the Lee County Bama fans. So for any of those folks out there, if it ever does happen. Make sure to tell them when you go that you heard about it on the Auburn Daily Show. Uh, I don't know if there's a lot of Alabama fan listeners out there, so I guess that doesn't have to be the exact scenario. If you're an Auburn fan and have any reason to go to the Rage Room, like maybe it's like a birthday, maybe it's a it is Valentine's Day coming up. A lot of heartbreak out there. Yeah, you know, you've got divorces, cheaters, all the bad things. You know what? That's a good reason to go to Rage Room. You know, heartbreak. Let's go break stuff, not break hearts. Go tell them that the Auburn Daily Show sent you there. They'll get you a bucket of free stuff. Just got to mention it at the desk. Hey, I heard we get some free stuff because I heard about this on the Auburn Daily Show. Rather than the Opelika, Opelika area, go to the Opelika Rage Room. OpelikaRageRoom.com. You can also find them on the handle on social medias. Check out what they're all about if you're not familiar. Same deal for the Birmingham Rage Room. Do the thing. Go there. Check them out. Break some stuff. Have a good time. It's kind of a like I said. There's not a whole lot going on this year, so need something to do. This just hey, I've got an important question. Yeah, do you think the rage room plays break stuff by Limp Biscuit while they're breaking stuff? It would be a that would be a huge missed opportunity if you don't. You get the player music of the rage room. Don't forget to mention that. So yeah, if you're listening, add it to the rage room playlist. That is definitely the way to go so go check them out tell me Auburn daily show since you I want to thank them as always for being another show sponsor so let's wrap this on up pat here auburn basketball is in the front seat once again after two great performances against old miss and a 
awesome home comeback against Alabama that the Gumps are still reeling in that one, despite you know you know you know what that means. What's that mean? Lawson Gainesville Saturday. I'm just kidding. Continue. (laughs) No, I mean it's okay. It's it has to be brought up. Auburn in Gainesville. In uh, Gainesville to Auburn basketball is Baton Rouge to Auburn football. It is yeah, just the monkey on their back that they cannot get off. Do not look up the stats of that. It is bad. I, I don't remember what the specific stat was, but I heard it maybe a week ago, and I was shocked. I had no clue it was like that. Yeah, it is brutal. Um, I'm going to pull it up real quick here. I'll see if I can get it. So uh, tell me, while you're – Ad lib for me on the Bama game. Tell me, tell me your thoughts on the Bama game. I'll pull the stat up real quick. Not to say I, I went, I went negative Nelly there for no reason. But uh, <laughs> this this week was an incredible week of basketball for Auburn. Uh, big win on Saturday night against Ole Miss. Followed up with an even bigger win at home against Alabama. I think it's got to be by far the best one of the year, uh, quad quad one wise. Right? I mean. I, Alabama's going to be a quad one win no matter what, I would think. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, the highest. Yeah, that's the highest because Alabama's still top ten in the net. Yeah, so. I saw Joe Lenardi still got them as a three seed and us as a four seed. So, yeah, Joe Lenardi – Joe Lenardi today actually moved them higher after getting that's, getting that's steamrolled wild. by Auburn, which is just like – he has always been is, bullish on Alabama. Saving, see, I told you, Saban got the ESPN and Lenardi's already knocking them up a peg. Yeah. Okay, so it looks like Auburn. I'm gonna just double check this at a glance. It looks like Auburn hasn't won in Gainesville. Take a guess at the year. I heard a stat that we hadn't beaten Florida in some capacity since 1996. That is the year. That is correct. That's the last time yeah. Auburn has won in Gainesville. Now, granted, asterisks on that. Florida was really good in the 2000s, and Auburn was definitely tampering down in the 2000s, especially the 2010s prior to Bruce. So yeah. they had a losing streak. They they got one on Florida. So this is, this is wild. From 2001 to 2018, 17-18 season, Auburn only beat Florida one time, and that was in Tampa. Good so I'm guessing, I'm guessing that was probably an SEC tournament. So we, think- we legitimately have not won a game in Gainesville in almost 30 years. 1996, that is correct. How often do we play there every other year? Uh, Yeah. That's embarrassing. We got to fix that. Yeah, so they – um, it's a – yeah, it's a brutal – because, you know, they do the thing where it's every other year, then it alternates, so, you know, kind of yeah. – so it's, it's a weird pattern in basketball. But, uh, yeah, they've played plenty of times in Gainesville for them to have some chances there. So, Auburn has kind of been going back and forth with them since Bruce has dialed things up here. But they always seem to kind of trip on Florida. Even at home, they lost to him that one year. So, Florida's kind of had – like, Florida hasn't been dominant in basketball in a little while, obviously, since the, you know, sick run they had in the late 2000s. Yeah. But they uh they Auburn has definitely not done good. Now, you know, it's interesting because you know, Todd Golden was a former assistant of Bruce's, so there's kind of a little bit of a little bit of history between the two of them, a lot of mutual respect. Believe yeah, I knew, it or not, I knew, uh, a lot of Auburn people wanted him to come back to Auburn when Bruce retires. So I guess I that's out the window now, but I don't wanna I don't wanna think about I don't wanna think about that. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, sad sad times. But believe it or not, Auburn actually barely wins the series all time Florida 86 wins and 80 losses 
Wow. So okay. despite some despite some tough uh, recent luck against the Gators, Auburn still barely up uh, up on them from a lot of wins back in the day. So as far as the SEC outlook looks, Auburn after the win for Alabama, there's kind of a weird tie situation for first yeah, place. It's a four way tie at the top, right? It's yeah, so it's kind of weird. So Tennessee had the bye week or something going on there. So they've only got seven SEC games, you know, but they've only had two losses. Auburn, Alabama, South Carolina have two losses. They got eight wins. Auburn and Alabama have now split the series. It's just a weird, it's a weird little situation going on. Now, obviously, that'll fix itself out here really soon. And then down to four losses is Kentucky. So there's a another jump there. So you want to uh you want to build a gap. You want to build as much as a gap between you and the next person. So it's going to be a uh, it's going to be an interesting deal. Now South Carolina does have the best overall record of twenty and three. Auburn is nineteen and four. Alabama sixteen and seven. Tennessee seventeen and five. But they're still at the top. They're still in the hunt. They still control their own destiny. But with that game against Florida, it'd be huge if they can win that and. I mean, it's a gauntlet. You got Florida away, and Florida's just right below Kentucky. So Florida is top half of the SEC. South Carolina came out of nowhere. I don't know how it, anybody had that as a ranked matchup on their bingo card before the season started. Yeah, that's crazy. So, I mean, Auburn is defending a pretty solid home winning streak that you don't want to give up. I'll, I'll say outside of a – Outside of just the wins that we've been getting, I think the thing that's got me most excited about Auburn basketball is it seems like we've kind of settled on the five best players to kind of yeah. close games out. And we where you've got Trey and Denver and uh, CBM, J, uh, J. Will and Broom. I, I really love that that five combo right there. Yeah, it's been working. And then, but the good news is too, when they do switch it out, there's not this massive drop off. Like right. we saw last year, if any of them were out, if Dylan comes in for a little bit, it's not just like oh they're just dominating under the under the rim. KD has Same the ability to really boost you up when he's having a, a on game. So yeah, if KD, yeah, if KD's on fire, he can go there. A lot of a lot of good pieces that can move around to pivot for a lot of different situations, and that's just obviously not what they had last year. And Broom is playing insane. I mean, you're seeing more stats of his compared yeah. to like Shaq. I mean, it's, it's absolutely – and I, I'm telling people right now, just go ahead and just enjoy every moment of watching him play. The dude is scoring at an insane clip. I was putting some stats out about this. But if you look at your top scores in the SEC, he was eight before last night's game, obviously adding 24 to his 15.9 average, I think it was. It's probably bumped him up even further. So he might have even gone up a little bit more. I'm not exactly sure. Let me see if I can look that up real quick. But – for him being a big man, it's a bunch of guards. Yeah. I was thinking and, about this the other night. If uh, – I know who the better pro pros prospect was, but who is the better college player, in your opinion, between Broom and Walker Kessler? Yes, you know, I think about that. I do I do think about it, and I kind of wonder – okay, so let me, uh, let, me, let me jump over here. In the SEC, Broom has now – Oh, hold on, that was uh, – I did SEC. Let me go to National, sorry. Uh, I think uh, if I'm picking right now, I, I might be picking Broom just because he has yeah. more versatility. Now, defensively, Walker, the way he could block, especially with his left hand, yeah. was just – that was crazy. And they formed the defense to basically funnel the Walker. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know less about basketball, far less about basketball than I do football, but it just feels like to me we're watching a possibly an all-time Auburn basketball player in Janine Broom right now. I think it, I agree. I think it kind of snuck up on everybody. I don't think everybody, like, I, I think we're going to realize it looking back. And I think we're just going to kind of blink and be like, holy smokes, we had this dude. And like, did we, did we really take the time to like appreciate, like, oh, here he is? Uh, yeah, no, it's, it is, we're going to miss him a lot. I agree with you. I think he might be an all timer. I think he might. I think he is. I think it's safe to say after two years, an all-timer. And just the versatility, and especially the scoring you can get out of him being a, a big. Yep. You he'll think he'll it, knock but, down a three. He'll knock down a three when he's open. Yeah, no, he's been hitting those threes. His uh, his season, season, his season percentage for three is going to be, I, I just looked it up. Broom, is he's bumped up to the seventh leading score in the SEC right now. Okay. So, and it's all surrounded by like guards. So (laughs) it's just, and him being a big, and the crazy part is, is all these guys are playing 30 plus minutes a game and his average is like 24. So if you do like a point per minute, it is even more crazy. Just how efficient he is in the minutes he's playing. So yeah, no, it is, it is absolutely. And of course, you know, it gets the competition. It's not like he's playing in the, the Pinecone Conference over here. I mean, SEC basketball. I'm, I'm missing them already. I'm just gonna just gonna put it that way. We gotta cherish them for the next two months. Yeah, Auburn fans out there, and it, it's just like you kind of sit there and you're like, oh my gosh, like how are they gonna replace them? But I'm also like, you know what? Like they did it with Walker Kessler, and they got somebody who you can actually make a fair argument maybe is better. Kind of all things, right. I'm kind of a – I'm looking forward to Cardwell, if he comes back for a fifth year, kind of getting his time in the limelight next year. Yeah, I, I do too, and I hope he sticks around for, you know, obviously with the portal and graduation, you never know, guys might – can always make different moves. But Broom, his three-point shooting percentage is 33.3, so just like perfect average this season. But out of a big, you absolutely take it. Yeah, that's good and, for the center. And they've gotten better as we've gone into SEC play. It's kind of the opposite of what happened to Cambridge. Still, mm-hmm. ugh, still thinking about that, where he was just just absolutely bricking them when it came to SEC play, and you know against lesser opponents, he was okay. But uh, yeah, brooms have gotten more efficient. Teams are stupid enough to leave him open, and he's making a punishment. And the and those are just some just dagger threes too, just perfectly timed, right when you need them. So, yeah, they are absolutely on fire. And if they can do the thing against Florida, I think – hear me out here. I think if they can win the next three, I, I think it is almost about near sheer fire thing they're going to win the SEC. If you can beat nah, Florida, South Carolina, and Kentucky. I, I would like our chances, but I it just – I feel like there's so much still left to happen that it's, it's tough to – Make it go out on a limb like that for me. Well, you feel the most confident you're probably going to lose at Tennessee. I think a lot of people are writing that one off to where you're probably going to. I don't know. I mean, we owe Tennessee. That's going to be a tough one. Tennessee is not bad this year. Yeah, I'll go ahead. This I'll go ahead and tell you right now. Auburn is beating Tennessee. 
And okay. I don't know any – I haven't watched much Tennessee basketball. I just know Bruce Pearl owns Tennessee. All right, let me ask you this here. This will be the last thing we do before we wrap the show up. The remainder of Auburn's basketball schedule, do you have it pulled up in front of you? No. Yeah, get it pulled up real quick. What do you think how, – how many games, if you can get specific, which ones do you think they lose out of – I think it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight left. Uh, I don't think we lose a home game. I could see us losing to Florida this weekend, Georgia on the road. Those are the two probably that I feel that would probably win. So I'm going to go the opposite. I think they beat Florida this weekend, even though it's really close. And I definitely see them losing to Tennessee. Nope, we own them. That's got me. Yeah, that's got me nervous. And I, I think they and I think they lose one more. And I'm even going to say South Carolina, Kentucky, or Georgia. I think you lose Tennessee and then one of those three. I got to see us lose a home game for me to believe it. And I mean they are on fire at home, and I agree with you. I don't I'm just I'm just trying to be a little little contrarian to it. But I think there's out of these eight games, I think they go six and two. I think there's two losses sitting there somewhere. Luckily, Missouri on the road. I mean, I don't think Missouri's won an SEC game yet. I think by that time, that team is going to be so checked out. That is going to be a that is going to be a scorcher for Auburn. It's it's either going to be Auburn beats them by fifty, or it's one of those deals where like Missouri is just just last in their last breath. They just try to do something crazy because they've got nothing else to do. So hopefully, it's not like that, and they're just eh, let's just get the off season and fire coaches, transfer, whatever those guys are going to do, because that's going to be – they'll definitely be a solid 14 seed in the SEC tournament. And then, of course, you end the season with Georgia at home. So, they're on fire. It's exciting. It's going to make March really exciting. Uh, I'm sure, you know, God, <laughs> we'll see what uh, old Joe Lenardi ends up uh, seeding Auburn if they do go 6-2 and two, or, heck, 8-0. and oh. You might still have it a four seed. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, Pat, that's going to wrap us up for the episode, surviving the offseason. Uh, want to thank everybody for listening. Support the Auburn Daily Show. So check out everything they got going on AuburnDaily.com. Awesome stuff there right now. Tons of good content. Lots going on. If it's happening, they're not missing it. Get it there. Top Button Podcast, Charlie Five, every Tuesday, Thursday. Got one yesterday. A lot more recap of the Bama game there. The Bama game was awesome. Absolutely stomped. I'm going to talk a lot about there because, like I said, we got it yesterday. We'll be back at you next week. And, of course, like I said, one more shout-out if you can. Feed the Jungle. And beat cancer donation link for the GoFundMe in the in the uh, episode description. If you can't help out that it'll be awesome. Help the students get fed, and of course, most importantly, help the fight against cancer. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We will be at you again next time. And of always, you know, Pat, thanks for joining the show.